If it's your first time here, welcome. My name is John. I am the lead pastor around here. Appreciate you guys coming on out. Hope you had a great Christmas. I hope you enjoyed our Sunday off. I know I did. Hope you had a good New Year's Eve. That was a lot of fun. Mine was tame, which is always a, a good thing, but it was fun. But it's a new year. It's a new decade. Can you, it's like a, the 2020s. My gosh, it's like the future. I saw that we are closer now to 2050 than we are 1990. I feel like 1990 is always like 20 years ago, all right? But we are, it is like we are flying cars. It is everything. But with a new year, it's always a new you. And what I was trying to, you know, think about how are we going to kick off sort of this brand new decade? And I thought, wouldn't it be good if we could just do a series, we're going to call it Imagine, where we just sort of focus on um, taking spiritual inventory. Taking a look at our faith and our faith journeys and, and trying to find out where were we, where are we, and, and where are we going in this upcoming year, in this upcoming decade. So let me kick off this series by posing or asking a question to you, rather. Did you ever meet someone who had really big faith? Now, I don't mean someone who has been a Christian for their whole life. I don't mean somebody who's got the Bible memorized, who can, you know, quote chapter, book, verse, all that. I just mean somebody whose faith is unshakable. That their faith in God, no matter what is going on in their life, is just unshakable. They could lose their job. They could get a bad health diagnosis. Their future is just completely uncertain, but they are just good. They're just, they are at peace with the world. Their faith is unshakable. Now, we look at their life and we go, you should probably be a little more concerned, okay? And, and what ends up happening is we try to bring them down to reality a little bit, or at least our own reality, and we're kind of like, look, listen, I understand the whole God thing. I'm a, I'm a Christian myself, but like, have you seen the job market? Because you don't, like, I feel like you should be like a little bit, but now, John, listen, I, I trust God. I know that he's got a plan for all of this, and so I'm not worrying. It's just, he, this is in his control. And you're like, right, right. But have you, like, when you went to the doctor, did you listen to what he said? Because I just looked at your test results. That doesn't look pretty good to me. John, look, all right, listen. God knows my name. He has a plan for my life. I am not worried in the slightest. I just have faith that no matter what happens, he's in control. And when you leave that conversation, isn't it true that you go, well, that person's an idiot, right? That's just like, we, I mean, you, you don't want to admit this out loud. I'm doing that. But you kind of, in a way, judge people that have that really strong faith. You're sort of like, I was under the impression that you had an IQ, right? I thought all these years that I was dealing with somebody who had a brain, apparently not, because you just have so much blind faith in God that I just, I don't even know what to do with you. But then isn't there also true that part of you really wants what they have? I mean, there's part of you that wants that unshakable faith, that, that, that 100% confidence that God exists, that there is a God that knows your name, that knows your story, that knows exactly what you are going through, that really does have a plan for your life. Isn't it true that really every single one of us, whether we'll admit it or not, wants that kind of faith? Well, according to the scriptures, God wants that faith for you as well. And when you look at the Old Testament and when you look at the New Testament, what you see really is, is one long story of God trying to build into us that kind of faith, trying to build into us that kind of confidence. You look at the New Testament, I mean, from 36,000 feet, it's, it's one long story of, of God trying to get us to trust Jesus, to have faith 
in Jesus, just to have confidence in who he is and, and what he says. So there's a story that is in the New Testament, and we're not going to land on it for today, but I just want to talk about it real quick. It's, it's called The Faith of the Roman Centurion. And in this story, we meet a Roman soldier, a centurion, who is a, apparently a, a commander of, you know, a detachment of some kind of Roman army. I don't know. But he is not a Christian, and he's also not Jewish. He is a pagan Roman. So he worships all the Roman gods, you know, Mars, Jupiter, Venus, Aries, all that kind of stuff, all of the things that are in the sky. He's worshiping that stuff. But he finds Jesus, and, and he says, Jesus... I got this servant who is paralyzed. That's all he says. I have this servant who is paralyzed. And Jesus says, shall I come to your house and heal him? And this Roman centurion says, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Actually, I am unworthy to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. I don't, I don't need you to come. I don't, I don't need you to leave your spot. I don't need you to go there. You don't need to see him. You don't need to touch him or, or you lay your hands on it. I, I don't have to see this happen with my own eyes because I may not understand exactly who you are, Jesus, but I, I, it seems like, based on the evidence that I've seen, it seems like this world, in some capacity, listens to you. So just say the word and he'll be healed. And I was reading this account, and it made me think about my own life. And I've been a Christian since I was born, basically. I mean, I was, raised, I was dedicated in the church. There wasn't a day that I, I didn't know Jesus. Grandfather, you know, was a pastor. And I could be really honest with you. I have never in my life prayed a prayer with this much confidence. Have you? I mean, if you're being honest, have you ever prayed a prayer where it's like, God, just say the word, and I know my mom will be healed. Done. God, just say the word, and I know I'm going to get that job. Done. Just say the word, and I know I'm going to meet that spouse. I know this. I know that. You just say the word, done, and you walk away, and you're at perfect peace. See, I think this is the kind of prayer that God wants us to be able to have, because look at the way that Jesus reacted. It says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. He said to those following him, what I'm about to tell you is the truth. In Israel not just the, the country of Israel that we know today, in like the people group of the Jews, in the people that know God and have known God for hundreds and thousands of years in Israel, in this group, I have not found anyone whose faith is so strong. It says that Jesus was amazed. And I was, I was looking at this word. And what's interesting here is this is the only time, the only time in the entire Bible that Jesus was amazed. Think about that for a second. Think about everything that Jesus has seen with his own eyes. And I don't just mean in his earthly life. I mean in his existence. Is that what you want to call it? I mean, this is a man who was there for the creation of the universe, the creation of the world, and he just said, it's good. It works. That's good. This is a man who saw the angelic rebellion, good versus evil, Satan versus God, cataclysmic warfare, unfazed. But he saw this man's faith, and he was amazed. And this is the kind of faith that I firmly believe he wants you to have and he wants me to have. And so this entire series of Imagine is about your faith, your faith journey, where you are right now, where you've been, where you're going. Because one of the things that I've seen in my career 
is I've had a chance to talk to people about their faith, about their faith journey. I talk to you folks, the previous church I worked at, I, I talk with them. People just find out I work in a church and they say, oh, you know, I go to church and I grew up this and I grew that. And it's, it's always very interesting to hear. Because what I've noticed is that in every single person's faith story, whether they've been a Christian for their entire lives or like a day, it seems like God uses very similar tactics, methods, and ways to grow every single person's faith. Then a pattern begins to emerge that you really can't see in your own life because you really just know your own life. But as someone who hears all your stories, I can begin to see this pattern that emerges in these ways that God uses to grow our faith and has been growing our faith. And so over the next couple of weeks, I want to take a look at these ways. I want to begin to show you sort of the fingerprint of God in your life. I want to show you things that he's been doing and setting up and putting around you and getting you involved in to get your faith to where it is today. And the reason this is so important is because when you can begin to see God's blueprint, shall we say, that blueprint can be a map for your future. Because you can begin to strategically place yourself in areas that you know God is most active in. So to kick off this series about growing our faith, to kick off this series about our faith journey, the first sort of area that I want to land on, this area that I believe God is heavily active in, is what I'm going to call practical biblical teaching. Let me explain this. So when I hear a lot of your stories, um, a lot of them sound something like this. You know, John, I, um, I grew up knowing God. Nothing, you know, it wasn't a huge part of my life, but I grew, up going to God. I grew up going to church a couple of times a year. Maybe it was Christmas, maybe it was Easter, but like I knew God and I knew Jesus was, but it wasn't like a massive part of my life. I think a lot of you sort of fall into this category. But then they'll say something like, you know, one time somebody invited me to a Bible study or somebody invited me to a youth group or somebody invited me to a conference or somebody invited me to their church or this new church that opened up. And I went because they promised me brunch afterwards or I went because they promised me that there was attractive people there and I was single, so I went. But that's why some of you are here today. Um, but I went and, you know, uh, there was... That guy's there. Um, I went and there was someone teaching the Bible there that day and... It was interesting because I had heard sermons before. I had heard homilies before, depending on your background, what you call it. But for the first time in my life, I found myself engaged. For the first time in my life, I found myself actually saying, I never knew this stuff was in the Bible. And John, it wasn't that it was new information. I had, I had heard this stuff before. It wasn't like it was, I was learning something new necessarily. But this person on stage or this person in the group was, was teaching in a practical, applicable manner. And for the first time in my life, it dawned on me that you can actually put what God says into practice in your life. That you can actually take God's word, you can take the teachings of Jesus, and you can apply it to your own life. If this is your story, you stumbled upon an area that God uses heavily to grow our faith. Practical, biblical teaching. And what these folks have found out is that when you begin to open up the Scripture, when you begin to open up the Bible and you look at it, perhaps for the first time in your life through the filter of, God doesn't want me to just learn something, that he wants me to do something with it, that's a game changer. When you begin to do something with what you've learned, it's like a light switch goes off and everything changes. 
But there's a problem that exists in this country. I can't speak about Europe, but I can, I can sort of speak about America. There's a problem that exists in the American church. Not all the churches, but unfortunately, a lot of churches. And the problem is, is that there is a tendency to just cover the material. Here's another story. Here's another story. Eh, here's what the Bible says. Here's another story. Sunday after Sunday, year after year, year same story, same story. We're just going to cover the material. And what begins to happen is that people tend to want shorter and shorter sermons. And I'll say people that are beginning to burn out on church want shorter and shorter sermons because they feel like they already know what the person's going to say. Why? The person's just covering the material. Here's another story. Here's what Isaiah said. Go and be blessed. But Jesus was different. When you open the New Testament and you, and you look at the way that Jesus taught, when he opened the scriptures, it was wildly different because Jesus taught to application. He would teach us, yes, he would say, here's what this means, but then he would go the next step and he goes, here's how to apply it to your life. The best example of this is the Sermon on the Mount. One of Jesus' most famous messages of his entire career. It's a tremendous message. It's like two chapters long. And really, when you look at it, it is one long message about doing something. You got to do something as one of his followers. You got to go the extra mile. You got to forgive. You got to turn the other cheek. You need to be generous. You got to stop being angry. You got to stop lusting with your eyes. You got to do, you got to do, you got to do. And he's not talking about things that you got to do to get into heaven. That's a different sermon for a different day. In this particular message, he was talking about what do you do in the here and the now. And the reason he taught like that is because he knew that knowledge, just simply knowing things, it's not really helpful. You need to do something with the knowledge that you have. And so he wraps up this amazing Sermon on the Mount by saying, therefore, talking to the crowd, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, this message he just preached, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. He's saying to this group of people 2,000 years ago, look, if you really want to see your faith grow, if you really want to see God show up in your life, you've got to do something. You've got to put into practice these things that you're hearing. I mean, really, the, the Sermon on the Mount is one long message about if you really trust God, if you really have 100% confidence in God, this is what you would do. He's saying, guys, talking to the audience, you, you can't just show up to the Sermon on the Mount sermon series, right? And say, well, I showed up, so God will show up. I mean, I mean, I went to all of Jesus' sermons. I saw him speak in, in Galilee. That was a good one. I saw him speak in Capernaum. I went to the four-weeker he did in Jerusalem. I don't know if you saw that one. That was a really good one. I mean, I went for seven weeks in a row. There was that one Sunday that I showed up. and It was raining. I still went. There was that one Sunday the big game was on, whatever the big game is. I skipped the game, and I went. And it, so here's the deal. Because I saw everything that Jesus said, because I, I was there for the Sermon on the Mount. It's a good one, by the way. I really expect God to begin showing up in my life. I mean, this is the year for me. I mean, I saw all those messages. I heard everything that he said. I'm expecting major change in my life. And all of a sudden, they begin to look around and nothing's different. And all of a sudden, their prayers are like, well, God, what the heck? I mean, I, 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 went, to the, I went to the Sermon on the Mount, 
Why, why, why am I not seeing any changes in my life? And what Jesus is trying to get across to this crowd is that they are struggling with a mindset that many of us, all of us, me included, struggle with from time to time. And that problem is that we equate church attendance with doing something. Now, don't get me wrong. Showing up to church is important, primarily because I don't like speaking to an empty room. It's awkward, okay? So I appreciate that you guys are here today. Thank you very much. But aside from that, going to church is important. I I was raised in a family, this is not a sort of a biblical mandate, but I was raised in a family where it's like, we go to church. We go to church every Sunday because God's blessed us, right? Blessed us with family and and health, with the air in our lungs. And so the least that we could do as a family is is give him an hour of our week. So, So we go. But on top of that, it's great to go to church because you meet people. You can be encouraged by each other. You can encourage somebody else. You can serve downstairs. You can serve with the nursery. You can listen to music. You can sing the music if you want. You can hear a couple of funny lines and, and hear some scripture. But what Jesus would say is that uh, that's not enough. Because, because if we rate our spiritual life based on attendance and not application, then we have a problem. Jesus is like, look. It's not enough to just show up and hear what I'm saying. You need to do something with it, which is why when I hear people's faith stories, one of the patterns that I hear all the time is they'll say, John, when I finally, listen, when I finally started to apply God's word to my financial life, to my my romantic life, to my marriage, to my professional life, it was like a game changer. All of a sudden, it was like God was working in my life in ways that I had never thought possible. And I say, yeah, that sounds about right, because Scripture bears your experience out. Scripture tells us that God honors your obedience, that when you hear what Jesus teaches, when you hear what the Scripture teaches, when you internalize it, and then you obey, meaning you act on it, then God shows up. So Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. What Jesus is saying here in this parable, he goes, look, this house didn't fall because this guy read a bunch of books on construction. This house didn't fall because this guy went to a conference on construction. This house didn't fall because this guy watched HGTV every single weekend for six weekends in a row. This house didn't fall because he gathered information and then he acted on that information and then he built that house on a rock. He did something with what he had learned, which raises the question, what happens when you don't do what you know you're supposed to do? Jesus says, but everyone who hears these words of mine, and I would actually add in believes, right? Everyone who hears these words of mine and believes them and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. In this parable, Jesus is painting a picture. He's saying, look, listen, you can go to church every Sunday. You can be a Christian. You can have the Bible memorized, and your life can be a mess. Financially, romantically, professionally. Why? 
Because you're not acting on what you know and what you believe. He's saying, you can't expect change to happen until you finally act on it. You know what this is like? It's kind of like New Year's resolutions. I was talking with some folks about New Year's resolutions. A lot of us make very similar New Year's resolutions, right? It's to what? Eat better and go to the gym. And so you feel great because you've now made this New Year's resolution. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to go to the gym. You feel better because you're now following on Instagram some, you know, vegan CrossFitter yoga person. And you're even liking some of their posts. Gosh, look at me. I'm really, I got it all, all right? I'm ready to go. You feel better because you've ordered new shirts, new shorts, new tights from Lululemon. Your gym, you're looking, this is right, you are, you, you've even ordered new running shoes. You got the Apple Watch. You are ready to go. But according to this parable, Jesus is saying all that is meaningless, until you are physically choking down dry chicken breast, all right, and you've got a barbell crushing your shoulder and your trainer's like, get your you-know-what to the grass, okay? He goes, until you do this, you need to realize that knowledge and intention, that's not action. You could have all the books, all the knowledge, all the beliefs, but until you act on it, you've not done anything. You will not see the fruits of God in your life. God is not going to be acting until you act on what you know. The story wraps up. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed. They were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So within this context, their teachers were brilliant people, but but their messages would have been, here's a story, here's a story, here's what Isaiah said, here's Isaiah said, here's a story. But Jesus as you see, taught to life. He taught life. Yes, he would open up the scriptures, but he would say, here's what it means. This means you need to forgive. This means you need to go the extra mile. This means you need to turn the other cheek. This means don't look at that woman like that. This means go, it just, this means, this means, this means. Here's how to apply the Bible to your every single day life. Now, we at Downtown Harbor Church were so inspired by the way that Jesus taught that we made his method of teaching a hallmark of our Sundays. If you've been here any length of time, you're going to recognize it. Every Sunday we say, well, what's the practical? Don't come out yet. I'm not done, okay? We say, what's the practical? And then she comes out and she starts playing. But the reason we say this is because when we launched this church almost five years ago, we had spent a year and a half in research. And we talked to our friends. We talked to our family. We spoke to people who don't go to church anymore who just stopped, who maybe never went, who walked away, and we said, guys, be honest with us. Why don't you go? You're not going to hurt our feelings, right? Just We're trying to make something that like, people would want to go to. Why don't you go anymore? And the number one answer they would tell us is that church is a waste of time. It's not relevant. That guy up on the stage, that girl up on the stage, it, just, it, doesn't, it doesn't apply to my life at all. And that broke our hearts. Because hopefully, as something you've seen, the Bible's alive. The the teachings of Jesus are incredibly applicable and practical to your every single day life. And there are a number of churches in this country, a growing number of churches, that are doing their very best to sort of recapture Jesus' style of teaching, to try to make the Bible practical and applicable and and break these complex topics down into bite-sized pieces that you can apply to your life. But here's something amazing that has happened. 
these churches that are trying to do this, these churches that are trying to make the Bible practical for you, they're getting pushback. And a lot of times Christian critics will say things like when they hear this, they say, well, you just need to preach the word. You just need to preach the word. What you're doing up there, that's a how-to. What you're doing up there, that's just self-help. That's just a motivational speech. That's just, that, that's watered down. Now, thankfully, Downtown Harbor Church has never been on the receiving end of that criticism. But let me talk about this phrase here, because it's an important phrase. This is a very big club to swing. And if you are someone who has cavalierly swung this club at a church, let me explain to you what you're actually saying. You are accusing that church or that pastor or that congregation to not be preaching the word. Now, I have heard sermons before, okay? I have heard messages before that amount to nothing more than anecdotes and personal opinions. And I would agree that perhaps could be refined a bit more to get in line with Scripture. But more times than not, when I hear this coming from someone's mouth, my fear is that what they're saying, whether they recognize it or not, is that they desire information without application. That for them, church is simply something that you go to amass more and more knowledge. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. And we here at Downtown Harbor Church firmly believe and are committed to the idea that preaching the word requires actionable steps. It's not just about hearing things. It's not just about learning things. Yes, that is wildly important, but you need to be doing things and doing what Jesus says. One of my favorite things about this church, and when I say this church, I mean you guys, okay? And this might sound weird for a pastor to say, but one of my favorite things is that we have so many people here who couldn't quote the Bible to save their life but they know so much about Jesus. We have people here who, who couldn't list out the books of the Bible if there were a gun to their head, but every single day of their life, they are incorporating the forgiveness that Jesus tells us to do. Why? Because Jesus says, you got to do it. I got a guy almost every Sunday who's got a very, very, very difficult home situation. Relatively new Christian. And every single week, every single day of his life, he is trying to practice the forgiveness that Jesus has asked him to do so. Every single week, he is trying to serve the people and his family. And every single week, he comes to me and goes, John, I'm trying my best. I'm trying to practice forgiveness. I'm trying to, to love these people and serve these people. But I'm, if I'm being honest with you, I feel like they're just taking advantage of me. What do I do? And I said, well, what, is, what does Jesus say? He says, well... He says to forgive, and he says to keep on forgiving. And I said, well, and I think we need to do what he says we need to do because we don't know what is happening behind the scenes in that person's life through your act of forgiveness. We don't know what walls are being broken down by you choosing to obey the word of God and doing what, is, what you know you are supposed to do. This is one man practicing what Jesus preaches. And I have seen life change all over this church. Not because of what I'm saying, not because of what she's playing, but because you guys have made a decision to apply the word of God to your life. 
Not simply just show up, not simply just hear it, but to actively do what Jesus has told us to do. So with that in mind, what is the practical for this week? If it's your first time at Downtown Harbor Church, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So as we bring one year to a close and we kind of look to the next year, I think it would be important for us to do a little bit of spiritual introspection. So if you're a regular attender of this church, okay? If you've been here a couple of times, you've been here for a couple of months, you've been here for a couple of years, maybe you've been here since the beginning, I'm gonna ask you a question. I want you to be honest with yourself. How many practicals have you let slip by? How many times have you showed up on a Sunday and, you, and, and you've heard what Jesus said or, or you've seen a practical at the end of the message and you go, that's ah, not me. That doesn't apply to my life. Now, there are times, right, that they just don't, okay? I know that not every message can speak to every person every single Sunday. That's just the reality of, of life. But how many times have you looked at a practical and maybe it hits a little too close to home? that hot button issue in your life, that, 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 that issue that you know you struggle with and you see that practical on the screen and, and it's almost like you deceive yourself into saying, well, that's not me. It's almost like we'd rather turn a blind eye than to see the truth. Or, or you look at the practical and you give it the old Christian moan of affirmation, right? The old, mmm, mmm. And then you walk out these doors and you do nothing with it. Here's my challenge to you and every single one of us. As we kind of move into this next year, I would challenge you to don't live in a world of gotta do. Let me explain what I mean by this. Many of us, me included, we live in a world of gotta do. Now, here's how it plays out in my life. An issue that I struggle with, and I've been open with this, I struggle with worry. It's a problem for me, and I know a lot of you do too. Okay? We've done a lot of sermons on anxiety. We do a lot of sermons on worry. They are very popular messages because it's just an issue. And so in my own life, I try to apply the practicals. I try to apply what Paul says and what Jesus says and what the scripture says. And when worry strikes, when worry hits home, when things start to get a little hot in my life, I find myself saying, all right, I got to tell myself, all right, God's got this. I got to tell myself that God is in control. When I get worried, I got to tell myself, you know what, what you're feeling right now, this is, this is just an emotion. Now, these are all scriptural truths. We wrote them a different way, but these are all things that the Bible says are true and accurate and you should do. And I repeat them over and over and over and over and over again. And what I found is that I wasn't getting any better. Things weren't improving. And then it dawned on me one day. That when you live in a world of gotta do, when you live in a world of gotta tell, you haven't really done anything yet. And so that moment forward, I dropped the gotta tell and I said, you know what? God's got this. You know what? God is in control. This is just an emotion. And it was like a switch had been flipped in my life. Because all these years I knew the truth. I believed these things were, were, were real, but I was never actually doing them. Because as long as you tell yourself, I gotta do this, you haven't really done anything yet. 
So here's my question to you. How many of you right now are living a spiritual life of God to do? If I know one thing, I know that God has a plan and that God is calling each and every single one of you to step out on faith and do something. I don't know what that something is for you, but I guarantee right now a lot of you know exactly what that thing is. How long has God been calling you to do this thing? How many days or months or years have you just been living a life where you're saying, you know what, I just got to do it. I got to trust him. I got to take that job. I got to leave that job. I have to end this relationship. I got to do it. Okay, I got to do it. It's a new year. It's a new decade. This is the time for you to do it. Take that step of faith to practice what Jesus preaches, to do what God has called you to do, to say yes to that plan, even if you don't understand it, because you know, you know, you should have did it years ago. Jesus is saying, look, if if you wanna see your faith grow in ways that you could never have imagined for your own life, if you wanna have that unshakable faith, you need to realize that action makes all the difference. That you need to, Do something with what you know, with what you've learned, with what you've believed. And when you do, you will open up the path for God to act in your life in a way that you could have never imagined. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity that we could come here today in a new year. And I want to thank you, Lord, that you preserved the Word of God the Old Testament, the New Testament for what is now thousands of years. That in and of itself, Lord, is a miracle. But according to your son, Jesus Christ, the Bible alone is not gonna help us. Showing up to church is just it's not gonna help us. Re- having the Bible memorized is not gonna help us that we need to do something with all of these amazing lessons, Lord. We need to do something with the lessons that your son Jesus taught us, either through his life or through his teachings. We need to act on it, Lord, if we want to see our faith grow, if we want to see a change in our world, if we want to see our financial life, our romantic life, our professional life, our home life, if we want to see real changes in this world, it's not enough to just listen. We need to do something. We need to build our house on that rock, on Jesus Christ, on his teachings. So today, Lord, as we kick off this new year, I pray that you would strengthen each and every single person in this room to take that step of faith, to act on what they know they should be doing, to put your teachings into practice so that this year, be different. We ask all this in your son's name.